everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. I'm Matt, your host, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, Dan Stickney. Uh, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but what the heck, we can talk about it again. What have you been up to in-game? <gasps> I got a dagger. Finally. One. Well, no, I got two. Well, technically. Okay, so... Before you get going, I just want to point out, this was so important that I put it in the email. It has to be like, how- yeah, because it's been... It's been some time, folks. (laughs) So after we did the show, it was like the day, I think it was either that evening or the day after we did the show, and I mentioned the dagger thing, Um, I logged on and there was an incursion going on. So I took my main character, my rogue, to go do the incursion, and I get to the end of the incursion, and I got a dagger, a 370 dagger. I was so excited. Um, And then... Well, because I have, you know, I have an alt rogue on Horde side too, because I have two rogues, because yes, I am weird like that. Um, I hopped over to Horde side, (laughs) says the man with 13 warriors or however many you have. Anyway, you know how many I have an absurd number. And yeah, so playing two rogues, not really that out of place. But anyway, so I log over onto the Horde alt and I go and I do the incursion and I got another dagger. So both my main and my alt have a 370 dagger and I was so excited. Have I seen another one since? No. Um, unfortunately, you need two of these things to be super effective, but that's okay because I got one. I replaced a 340 with a 370 and my eye level just like jumped because yeah, those daggers are the only things that were really holding me back on that front. So yeah, I got daggers finally. Hopefully I'll see some more. I haven't seen any weapons at all out of Darkshore yet. I got a weapon from Darkshore my very first time running it, the actual Warfront. Yeah? Nothing from quests, but the first time I I just keep getting armor. Yeah, I just keep getting armor. I haven't seen any weapons come out of it. But again, you know, my luck is not fantastic, so there you go. Well, like I said, the first time I did it, uh, when you get the quest at the end, you know, turn it in, you get a 385 item. I got the two-handed sword, so I have a 385 two-handed sword from the dark, from the uh, warfront. But otherwise, not really been all that great for gear. Uh, but then again, I, I knew it wasn't going to be. But it hasn't even really been that great for transmog because I just haven't been getting. I've gotten like every time I've run it, I've gotten a chestplate like every single time. It's just chestplate, chestplate, chestplate. They won't drop anything else for me. I don't know what the deal is with that. But yeah, um, we should probably get to news because a lot of stuff did actually happen in the past week compared to like over the you know christmas new year's break, they dropped a bunch of stuff death. on us in the last few days so yeah so um i think we're gonna start with overwatch because there's actually quite a bit to talk about in overwatch um first up anna has a new skin that you have to the, the bastet skin that is it like it's like a mask and like a slightly different yeah uh, coat situation that yeah. you have to earn how does this work it well the way that it works is you have to like watch twitch stuff i think it is to like earn and there's sprays there's the skin there's sprays um i don't think that there's any emotes or anything like that it's just like there's oh no wait excuse me there is um a victory pose there's an on a victory pose but yeah uh so you have to go it's sort of like uh do you remember when they did the diva the nano nano cola challenge thing where you had to like watch things and then you had to play things to earn different stuff Mm -hmm. okay so it's like that 
they're doing another one of these. So um, with the Bastet Challenge, you have to win nine games in competitive arcade or quick play to earn a new skin. If you do three wins, you get a Bastet cat looking like a player icon thing. Six gets you the victory pose that looks like her sitting emote. And with nine games, you get the skin. So it's it's basically you play to do things. But But there's also the whole thing where... You, if you watch Twitch streams from the list on Blizzard's posts, they have like a list of Twitch streams that you can watch. Um, you can get sprays, and you have to watch like a certain amount of hours to get the different sprays. Which I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I don't mind the rewards that come in where it's like play the game, earn the reward. Yeah, sure. That's cool. You should totally go ahead and do that. But the ones where they're like, hey, you should watch somebody play this on Twitch and we'll give you things. That for me, that I don't, it just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? And I don't know Uh, why. Well, I mean, it's, I think it is kind of weird to tie in-game stuff to watching people's streams instead of doing stuff in a game yourself. Instead of playing the game. I guess that's that's where the line is for me. And I mean, I, I got it with the Overwatch League stuff because obviously they want people to tune in for Overwatch League. So if you watch Overwatch League, sometimes you can earn bonus skins, that kind of thing. Or not skins, but sprays and things like that. Or emotes for Twitch, that kind of thing. And I get that. That's cool. That's Blizzard's thing. But when it's just like Twitch streams of various random stuff, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't feel the same way about it. I'm like, if you're going to give you, give somebody a reward that's something that you can use in game, maybe you should make it so that you can earn that in game. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, Well, while we're talking about that, we should also talk about the Bastet short story. I was going to say, this is all kind of based off of the short story that they came out with, because... The, the short story is also called Bastet and it's a proper short story it's not a comic this was actually like a written short story by Michael Chu and I'm really really excited about that because you get a lot more space in a short story to write about things than you do in a comic there's there's like a limited amount of text that you can put in a comic to work with the art and not crowd a panel when you're just dealing with a short story, you have paragraphs and you have however long you need to describe everything that's going on and everything that's come before. So this one, Bastet, it, like I said, it was written by Overwatch's lead writer, Michael Chu. Um, it picks up immediately after the comic Old Soldiers, and that was released in 2017, I think it was. So it's been a hot minute since we've seen anything about that particular situation. But in the old Soldiers comic, that was released when Anna came out. And basically, Anna finds out that, number one, Jack Morrison is alive and he's Soldier 76. And number two, at the same time, Gabriel Reyes is also still alive and he's Reaper. And Jack's finding out that Anna is alive and she's not dead. I don't know if there's like something going on with when you sign up for Overwatch if you if you appear to fall in the line of duty you need to just disappear or what because it's like the three big names from the formation of Overwatch all three of them were presumed dead but they weren't so who else is supposedly dead but not out there because it seems to be a pretty common thing you know what I mean yeah I'm not sure as you just pointed out um, old soldiers, which came out two years ago, is literally just them when them all finding out they're all alive. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's and then just... it ended. Yep. And it didn't pick it up been, anywhere it, from there. It's kind of strange that it took them that long to 
get back on this. Right? (laughs) Well, and the thing is, is, I mean, I get it because what they've been doing over the past several years is they've been fleshing out the backstory of, of the franchise, like everything that came before and exploring all those little nooks and crannies and setting up various things, you know, setting up all the stuff with Sombra. But what they haven't been doing is they haven't been moving forward. Well, when these three met up, that was kind very much like a, a present day Overwatch kind of situation. And if they had moved on from there, they would have had to move forward. And I feel like they just didn't want to do that yet. So part of the reason that I'm really excited about Bastet is because it's not just a, a substantial chunk of story in a short story format. It's also moving the story forward, finally, um, which we started to see with the Ash cinematic at BlizzCon. And I feel like, man, I'm really hoping anyway that 2019 is going to be that for Overwatch. It's going to be pushing that story forward, finally. And dealing with all of these characters that have been introduced and what's going on in present day Overwatch. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, we did still find out some stuff that we hadn't learned known before. Um, we found out who, you know, the, the, the picture that Reaper, the, not the picture, the, the uh, family Reaper is stalking is not the same. It's, it's not Sam. And it, we also know that Vincent is uh, Jack Morrison, Soldier 76 is... I, I don't know what their relationship was, but I mean, obviously they, they were lovers, but we don't know if they were like married or whatever. It doesn't seem to they be. They weren't married or anything. I don't think um, it was just, uh, well, I mean, maybe they were. They were I don't boyfriends. Know. I don't it, know. It, I think that the way that Anna referred to it in the short story, she said, are you still holding a candle for that guy? Which tells me they were like going out, maybe kind of serious, but they hadn't actually like finalized anything or anything. Um, however, doesn't, yeah. Didn't. Isn't there a point where she actually suggested he could have used Blackwatch to follow the guy around? Yes. It's like, Anna, um, boundaries. We don't yeah. use the secret Black Ops operation to to watch our boyfriend. That's not how it works. Yeah. So anyway, um, Soldier 76 is gay. Who saw that coming? I did not. Um, am I glad? Yes, absolutely. That's cool. I like it a lot. Um, when it initially came out when the story initially came out it wasn't defined very clearly whether he was gay or whether he was bi so when he said um yeah vincent went and got married and he's happy now and everything i immediately thought just based on the photo in the short story and then the the reflections comic that maybe that person that reaper was stalking was actually vincent which was all kinds of a weird twist on a situation. But then um, Michael Chu piped up on Twitter and said that Jack and Vincent, they were in a romantic relationship many years ago and both identify as gay. So that was not Vincent in that photo. That was probably Reaper's family. I mean, that's the only place that there's left to go with that from Reflections. Well, it's so, been long enough, too. It could be like Reaper's grown children or one of them maybe. anyway. Like some kind it's of... It's been like, what, 20 years? I, I think it's Reaper's family, whatever form that family happens to be at this point in time. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting to me. Because, again, you know, I go back to that Reflections comic every now and again and look at those panels and go, okay, what's going on here? Um, and this is the first time we ever had, we've had um, some kind of additional lore as far as Reyes and Morrison and even Anna and how these people's relationships related to each other and relationships outside of Overwatch in general. Um, 
so of course you know go back to reflections again and go okay who are those people because the photo that he had of vincent and then that image from reflections it looked those two guys look similar they did look similar but yeah it's not the same person anyway so vincent vincent's apparently out there somewhere and married and that's all we know because that's all jack said in the short story but um the short story was basically him saying we need to go we need to go 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 we need to go figure out what's up with talon we need to go figure out we need to go save the world and all this other stuff and anna meanwhile is saying look i need to finish the business that i have here in egypt because everything that happened here and all of the chaos that's going on here it's our fault it's because of stuff that we did when we were in overwatch and we need to clean up our mess and then i'll go with you maybe um so there was a lot of like introspection and that kind of thing in the short story and eventually anna does leave to go with jack um but I don't know. It's it's like I said, it's the first time in a while that we've had the sto- story take another definitive step forward. There was kind of a hint of that in the Ash cinematic, but not enough. And this is more of a step in that direction. So yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. I was really happy with it. All right. Uh, while we're talking about Overwatch, we should probably talk about the changes on the PTR. Um, from what I understand, a lot of characters, including D.Va and other tank-type characters, are getting hit because they're reducing armor or changing how armor works. Um, if I, I don't really understand how exactly it's working. The PTR is, I think when I understand it's going to only reduce damage by 3 uh, instead of what it currently does. It does. I guess it does by 10 or something. I don't understand how it works right now. Oh, no, it halves okay. it. Okay, it has damage. Yeah, right now, armor reduces any instance of damage over 10 by 5. So if the damage is lower than 10, then it's halved. Um, Which means that, like, any of the heroes that deal little bits of damage, like they're pew, 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 instead of being, like, one big chunk of damage, so characters like Tracer or Reaper, um, their potency against armor is just kind of greatly reduced because they're not putting out really big hits. They're putting out all these little small hits that are being, their damage is being reduced by half because of the armor. So um, on the PTR, all armor is now only going to reduce damage by three. Um, And that means that heroes like Reaper and like Tracer and like Soldier 76, they're going to be way more effective against armor in general, Um, which is pretty good for the pew pews but not so great for tank players um they're also making some changes to like various abilities uh diva's defense matrix is only going to have a two second cooldown up from one second um or excuse me it's going to have a two second cooldown up from only one second um and it's i don't know I'm not sure about that change either. But then the other thing is that uh, Brigitte, her rally ability, its armor is only going to last for 30 seconds after it's granted to her teammates. So on the one hand, it's great for those damage dealers that haven't been feeling terribly effective. On the other hand, people that are playing these tank characters are going to notice that um, suddenly it's a little more difficult (laughs) than it was before. So we'll have to see how that balances out. But yeah, that is something that is available to play on the PTR right now. I'm also kind of curious how this is going to affect Overwatch League in general um, and team comps and, you know, players' choices as far as who they're going to play 
in various matches throughout the season. Because the thing is, with Overwatch League, you never know which patch cycle they're going to be on when they start playing. And if these changes are going to be in effect when Overwatch League goes live for Season 2, that's going to make the games look a little different. Um, but it should be interesting, I think. Yeah, it'll change the meta, which is being used a lot in Overwatch League. You know, there are places where people are at the upper level of competitive play, right? Like yeah. Like the GOATS meta. Yeah. Um, so. The other thing that they're doing, and this has nothing to do with gameplay per se, but uh, they're making some changes to spectator mode and improving the visual cues for various abilities and things that happen um, during the course of a match, which is actually kind of nice. So when you spectate the game, you're going to see the hero section in the top left and the right of the screen. They're going to show status effects. So if somebody is frozen or if they're stunned or if they're grenaded, slept, that kind of thing, or if they use their ult, it'll show up. You'll be able to see on there fairly easily. Um, and you'll be able to see who's hit by the various things really easily. So that, for me, that's kind of an improvement as somebody who likes, like I said, I like to watch Overwatch League and stuff like that. Um, but just spectating games in general, that should make it a little easier to follow the action. Um, they've done a lot. I mean, from when Overwatch League launched last year to the end of the whole series, they did a lot over the course of the season to improve the ability for people to follow what the heck is going on. But this is just kind of another step in that direction, and I really appreciate it. Um, and that, again, that's something that you can see on the PTR as well. So that's another thing to look for. Speaking of the PTR, then, we should switch gears again, because World of Warcraft just put patch 8.1.5 on the PTR, and uh, there's some stuff in there, uh, some of which we're not going to talk about because spoilers, but uh, we will at least mention that these things exist. So uh, the first thing I wanted to mention is that there's a hottie quest. If you were a Beast Mastery Hunter in Legion and you've been missing your little Lightning Wolf pal, uh, there's now a quest line to get him back. You can do various stuff. Uh, I don't. Is it okay to talk about the quest, or should we just say that it exists and move on? Um, I think we don't want to get too deep into spoiler material. But as far as Hattie goes, the one thing all hunters knew at the end of Legion was that they were going to be losing their beloved Pooch because you know everybody, all of the artifact weapons they expended their powers in Silithus, like when Magni leached everything, right? And that's when the artifacts stopped working and Hattie just went away. So um, you can actually go get him back again. And the process to do that is kind of convoluted. I can't tell right now if it's a quest chain or if it's actually like a scenario thing that you go to, but it's fairly lengthy. There's some lore involved. And at the end of it, you'll be offered the opportunity to tame him, I guess as an actual tame so that you'll have him in your catalog of pets that you can use, which is great. It's not quite the same as having one pet out and then Hattie tagging along with you and basically getting in the way, being a nuisance and having severe pathing problems, but it's okay. I'll take it. I'll take you it. You a talent if you want that back. <laughs> there's, there's a talent where you can have Is Hattie that a beast mastery talent? Yeah, I think it's near the t end of it. It's okay. like the top of it. But uh, we, since we're talking about artifacts and you know stuff from them reappearing, this is another pretty big spoiler for 8.1.5, but we're not going to actually give you the spoilers. We're just going to tell you this one little bit. There is a quest involving Zalatath. So if you're a Shadow Priest and you miss your dagger that you also treat like an actual girlfriend, if you're one of those people. Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you can you can get her back sorta or at least you will see her again there is story there uh, i can't spoil it for you because i don't understand what's happening quite frankly but yeah that that's there uh there is there's more continuation of that story there's a continuation of the nazoth story we're gonna and we kind of knew that the Zalatas stuff was coming because at BlizzCon there was that screenshot about future stuff 8.1.5 that showed Sylvanas holding Zalatas and everybody immediately went, uh, what's going on here, right? Um, this is It's starting to come into play. And it's all stuff that you can see on the PTR if you go play on the PTR or Wowhead has kind of the lowdown as far as like broadcast text and voice files and things like that from stuff that's going on. If you're interested in seeing that stuff, you can go check it out. I will say though, for the record, because I do like to put this warning on everything spoiler related, just because it's on the PTR doesn't mean it's actually going to make it to live. So don't freak out about anything that you see, but there is a lot of interesting stuff to look at there, particularly with the Nizoth stuff. Um, I'm kind of excited about that uh and that's all i'm gonna say about that uh there's a lot there's actually a lot of um additional lore stuff that's coming out too because obviously we're going to see the introduction of the Colterian and the zandalar as allied races finally it's yeah, about we now time. know how to do that yeah yeah and that's also spoiler material that's available on wowhead or you can go play through it on the ptr um they they each have their own scenario, just like we have had with everybody, including, you know, the Maghar and the Dark Iron. They both just had, like, a fairly substantial quest chain. Um, I don't want to blow your minds, but um, the Cult here in Mount, it's a horse. It's a horse. <laughs> it's another horse. That's okay. I just like horses. I mean, I know that there are people who are complaining about the horses, and I get it. I totally get it, because... A horse just seems to be like your standard default mount, right? When you think of something to ride around on to get from point A to point B, a horse is the first thing that comes to mind. So getting yet another horse, not that exciting. But I love the Colterian horse models. I love the models that were introduced in Battle for Azeroth. So yeah, um, I understand why you guys are frustrated, but I like horses and I'm happy to see another horse added. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head what the Zandalari basic mount is, but I'll tell you this right now. If you want to play a Zandalari paladin, they get ooh. a gold-armored Triceratops. Yeah, it's a pretty gold sweet. gold-armored Triceratops. I guess they call them, I don't know what they call them in WoW, like spike horns or something. Dire horns. They're called dire, dire horns. horns. It's a yeah. gold-armored dire horn. It looks amazing. It is so cool. Every other paladin should be jealous. Straight up, you should be. If you're not jealous, there's something wrong with you. Because you have been shafted. Zandalari have the best paladin mount bar none. Then again, I guess if you're like a horde druid, you're already kind of feeling, you know, envy towards Zandalari druid. So it's okay. Um, but yeah, that all of that material is available for reading or playing through on the PTR, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Um, we're getting portal rooms, finally. I'm really excited about that. Um, they're doing that thing. They mentioned this at BlizzCon, that the portals are scattered all over the place and it's getting kind of ridiculous because you had to go from point A to point B in your own capital city to get to the appropriate portal like there's the portals that are from Cataclysm and they're and I'm thinking Orgrimmar right now okay so there's the portals from Cataclysm and they're kind of up above and then if you are um, 
a Nightborn, your portal to get back to Suramar or whatever, that's out by the Ambassador place. And then there's a whole series of portals that are down in the, um, oh my gosh, what's that called? Uh, the, the place, place where Rage, the Rage Fire... Yeah, the place where yeah. Rage Fire Chasm is at. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I just don't remember the name the of, Cleft of Shadow. The Cleft of Shadow. Cleft of Shadow. Okay, so the Cleft of Shadow has like different levels, and on one level, there's some portals that'll take you back maybe to um, Burning Crusade era Hellfire Peninsula and and a different Dalaran. I don't remember exactly. And then down below, there's like the current portals that will take you to like Warlords, or they'll take you to Xandalar, and it's just confusing. They are split all over. Oh, yeah. And the Pandaria portal is all the way in the back of the city. They're all over See, the place. Yeah. Uh, Stormwind has always been a little bit better organized in terms of its portals. Only a little, There's though. A little. They've got, like, the, the mists of Pandaria portal is across the way a little bit from the various Cataclysm portals. And then they have most of the other portals coming into the Mage Tower. In the Mage Tower. Um, and then there's, not, one, there's yeah. one or two in Stormwind Keep. Yeah, like um, the one to one to like Legion Dalaran is in the yeah. keep. Yeah, they're still kind of spread out all over the place. And the thing is, is like, it's silly. It's silly that you have to go from here there to and and the reason that they did it that way, of course, is you know when they come out with a new expansion, they're like, okay, where are we going to put the portals for this thing? Well, we don't have a proper portal place, so we're just going to put it in this one little unused area, and we'll call it good for that expansion. Well, it's gotten to the point where. They're all over, so maybe we need to actually have a dedicated portal place. So that's where these portal rooms come into play. And they look cool. They look super cool. Yeah, my my one problem with them is that they're not moving the Cataclysm portals. No. The Cataclysm portals will stay where they are, which in Stormwind is fine. But in Org, I think it's actually real annoying. It's Those portals are not well placed in Org. They just straight up are not. I do not like them. Uh, they were very hard to find at the time. We were raiding in Cata. We were both raiding Horde side, and I could never find those portals even until I'd been to them like 80 times because they're just not in a really convenient place. You, well, you I think, think part of them. it too is that they're up above, so you have to take a series of like bridges and things like that or know exactly where you're flying to. Yeah, it's it's real easy to not find them. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, the the portal rooms is a really good improvement. It's a, it's a quality of life thing, but it's definitely a good idea to have as many portals as you can in one place. Um, and well, plus and it it's built so that they fixes, actually have more room. I was going to say, it fixes an issue too, where, and I am totally guilty of this, I never bound my Hearthstone to current expansion content. Like, I just didn't do it. Usually if I had my regular Hearthstone, I kept my regular Hearthstone bound to the shrines in Pandaria because those shrines had the portal rooms everywhere. All the capital cities plus Shatrath and Old Dalaran. So why would I ever bind my Hearthstone anywhere else? There's no point. I wanted to be able to fast travel across the world. Okay, I'll keep it bound over there. Well, they took out most of those portals. They, they, they removed them and took them out because they're going to introduce these portal rooms and the portal rooms are going to be in the capital cities. So you can just bind your Hearthstone there instead of having to, or you can just bind it in Boralus or in, um, yeah, because there's a portal Lore. Yeah, yeah, because you can zone to your capital city from there, and from the capital city go wherever. It makes it more I'm convenient. Gonna, I'm gonna be upfront though. I kind of wish they put the portals somewhere other than the main capital cities. Um, not because not. I mean, I get what they want people to go to Oregon and Stormwind, but sometimes I wish they'd put stuff in other of the cities so there'd be a reason to go to them. 
Like right now, Iron Forge, you can, you can go to Iron Forge if you want to, but there's never really a reason to. And the same thing Winter with Thunder Vale. Bluff. Yeah, Winter Vale. That's Otherwise, it. it's not. <laughs> I like Thunder Bluff, and I would like to see it get used more. I'd love to see it as kind of evolve into a sort of more neutral horde city where people go when they don't feel like being overwhelmed with the constant militarism of Orgrimmar. Like, let's go to Thunder Bluff. It's chill. Let's go to the chill horde city. We're not going to go to, you know, Eversong. Oh, that place is way too pretty. Are you kidding me? That's not chill. I just feel inferior the whole time I'm there. But yeah, I, I but it's still good that they kind of have these portal rooms because at least it's it centralizes this stuff a bit, which I think we really are well past needing. Uh, I, I sometimes I think about all the weird ways I have to get places. Like I've got the Legion portal. Like I put my I've got my Legion Hearthstone, which still works. So I go to Dalaran all the time and use the portals there. Uh, and they've got a lot of portals in Dalaran. Dalaran's actually a the new Dalaran from from Legion is still a good place to have your hearts. The only place it doesn't allow you to go directly to is Boralus or Dazara Lore. And those places are like one jump away from your capital city which is one jump away from, from Legion Dalaran. So it's it's a pretty good reason to, to go there. I still kind of go there. But once the portal room's up, I probably won't. As far as other material that's coming in 8.1.5, if you are a pet collector, rejoice. There's a new rating with Leash's achievement. Because, you know, we didn't have enough of a headache chasing them down last time. Um, this one is you pets. You must pan- catch them all. <laughs> I do every time. Every time they come out with one of these, I'm immediately farming those old raids for like months until I get them all. <laughs> so this is basically more material for me to do. But yeah, uh, this one covers Pandaria raids. So it's pets from Mogushon Vaults, Terrace of the Endless Spring, and Heart of Fear. I don't know if it includes the Throne of Thunder. I don't think so. Um, and I know I don't, at this point, I don't think it includes Siege of Orgrimmar either. It's just those three initial raids that were in Pandaria. But um, there are a bunch of new pets to collect. I think probably one of the coolest is um, Comet. Comet is, it's like a little lion. It's one of those little Quillen dogs, right? But it's a constellation version. So the model for it is just really, really cool. And given that it's a constellation version, I think it probably comes from Elagon in Mogushan Vaults. But um, again, these don't have, they aren't marked with anything as of yet. So there's no, there's no indication of who they drop from. Um, mostly there's just a lot of conjecture as far as who they drop from. But if you collect all of them, this is the cool part. If you collect all of them, you get... You get happiness, and happiness is a tiny smiling Shaw. It is the Shaw of happiness, which was a thing during Miss Pandaria. So yeah, I'm happy to see the Shaw of happiness in pet form. It is absolutely adorable, and you bet I'm going to be doing this like the second that 8.1.5 comes out because I need that pet. I just I need that pet. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a genius move to get people to go back to content. People love these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember every time they've put out a new rating with leashes, people go nuts farming old content. So yeah, it's it's a good move on their part. Um, also um, going to have a new roller coaster on the uh, the um, Dark Moon Fair. Yes, so. and it has the same effect as the Dark Moon Carousel. So if you ride the roller coaster, you get the Wii buff, and the Wii buff gives you it's basically boosts your reputation game um, by ten percent. And I think it's like up to an hour. So the longer that you ride the ride, it's it's with the carousel. You had to sit on the carousel for a few, for like 
30 seconds or so so that it would charge up to that full hour length. Um, I think you have to ride the full f f roller coaster to get the hour with that one. And I'm very excited about this because I like roller coasters. An in-game roller coaster sounds really, really cool. Um, can't remember. Um, do we know if the if the uh, Brawlers League Guild is back yet or will yes. be back in 1.5? Yeah. Yes, the Brawlers so, yeah, Guild is Brawlers coming Guild back. Um, the Brawlers Guild is coming back. There's going to be a bunch of new stuff with that. There's Brawler Guild, Brawlers Guild Transmog ar armor that's coming. Um, there's going to be new achievements, new difficulty levels. There's also going to be a new mount. Bruce. Bruce. You can get Bruce as a mount. And I'm very excited about this. I'm shaking my head. Not if I have a problem new, with Bruce, um... I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> I just remember when the Brawlers Guild first came out. That was like... People were sitting there, they were waiting their turn to go do their thing or whatever, and as they were waiting to go do their thing, um, every time Bruce came in, people would just start typing BRUCE in all caps. Like, that was just a thing that happened. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of challenge cards, new challenge cards that are coming out. One of them is the Hyper Mega Me Mecha Seagull X9000. And that sounds terrifying. But there's also um, Mama Storm Stout is looking like it's going to be pretty interesting. Thog Hammer Space looks like it's going to be pretty interesting. Those challenge cards are pretty crazy to begin with. Uh, there's some new miscellaneous items and then Bruce is back as a mount. What, what it'll take to get Bruce, don't know. Probably some kind of currency or something like that um, where you have to purchase him. I don't think it's going to be like a random drop from anything unless it's like a reward from a challenge card or something like that. Uh, there's also going to be new um, Children's Week is getting an update. Children's Week is having um, quest lines added for both Xandalar orphans and Colterian orphans, which I think is pretty fantastic. There's going to be four new pets for Children's Week. There's Scaly, Froglet, Beakbert, and Mr. Krabs. And I got to get Mr. Krabs to add to my collection of pets that begin with Mr. I have a lot of them. I think I have all of them. <laughs> and then uh, other random stuff that's being added. If you liked the holiday hearthstone that you could get, the Winter Vale one that had you hearthing in like a snowstorm, um, you'll be pleased to note that there are three new ones that look like they will be added this year to additional holidays. Uh, there's a Noble Gardener's hearthstone that'll be for Noble Garden, presumably. Brewfest Reveler's hearthstone, which... Brewfest, and then the Fire Eaters Hearthstone, which should be for the Midsummer Fire Festival. Um, I don't think I that any of those... I was hoping they have one for that one, so I'm yeah. glad to hear it on that. Yeah, well, and a Fire Eaters Hearthstone makes it sound like you're going to be, you know, eating fire and maybe, like, you know, doing the whole flamethrower thing with your mouth, breathing fire, that kind of thing when you're hearthing. That sounds cool to me. Um all of these sound kind of neat. If you're a fan of Noble Garden's bunny ears, there's going to be a new yellow, brown, and blue variant on those colors that you'll be able to get. Uh, I think there's new fish heads at the Dark Moon Fair. There's some new pets, and the pets are balloons. So there's like ridiculous Dark Moon Fair balloons that you can get. And then there's a new micro holiday coming out. And that new micro holiday, um, they mentioned it very briefly at BlizzCon. And then we didn't hear anything about it after that. And it's called Free T-Shirt Day. Um, what's going to happen during Free T-Shirt Day? Don't know. When is it going to be? Don't know. Couldn't tell you. Uh, however, data mining over at Wowhead, they've dug up a whole bunch of shirts related to Free T-Shirt Day. 
I went through the list here and this all looks like shirts that you could already pick up and purchase from various spots all over the world. So maybe free t-shirt day is just going to kind of like consolidate them all into one area where you can pick them up or something. I don't know. Um, I'm assuming that we'll hear more about free t-shirt day at some point. And yeah, I don't know. When they finally get around to implementing it, whenever that will be. Yeah. The the um, indicator on the thing says, and, and this is on the data mine material, this is what it says on the tooltip. It says it starts on January 22nd and at 12 a.m. and ends on January 22nd at 11 p.m. Those dates probably aren't accurate. I don't know. Because again, this is PTR stuff, so it might be talking about testing it on the PTR on those on that day. I don't know. Um, Flavor Tech says vendors have been spotted in several locations throughout Azeroth selling T-shirts for free. There are even rumors of entertainers launching free secondhand shirts in capital cities. That's all that we have to go on. <laughs> so if you're missing any shirts from your collection, this looks like a holiday where you can go ahead and like fill it out. So I guess that's pretty cool for transmog yeah. reasons. You know, or just if you're a completionist. Yeah, I. Oh, I think he gave away shoulders. I, I think I have almost every shirt in the game because I'm kind of crazy like that. But yeah, so 8.1.5, just to sum it all up, has a ton of stuff. It's a micro patch. It doesn't have major material in it per se. There's no raid. There's no dungeon that's being introduced. But there's a lot to it. There's a lot coming in it. Even though it's yeah. not what you would call major content, there's a ton going on there. It should be pointed out that the the newest uh, raid we're gonna get is um is already in the game. It's already in the files. We're gonna it's gonna open on January. Battle 22nd. for Dazara Lore, yeah. yeah. And then the the other one that's set in Storm Song, that raid is technically already in files. It's not linked to 1.5. We don't know when it will actually open. It will open at some point in 8.1, but we don't know when. Just right. later. But just so for that's people not who... linked to this patch. This, that when this patch drops, the, the, that raid will, is not linked to it. For it people that are out, wondering, yeah. though, for people that are wondering, though, they are beginning to, on the PTR, if you are into raid testing, they are beginning to do raid tests for Crucible of Storms. So if you're interested in seeing how that works or checking out the fights or anything, you may want to go ahead and keep an eye on that. I believe that their first test is tomorrow. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, like the recorded version of this podcast, yeah, that was yesterday. <laughs> but they're time uh, dilation. Yeah, they're doing their first test on Thursday, January 10th, and it's uh, the Restless Cabal encounter for a heroic Crucible of Storms. Um, they obviously aren't just going to limit this to one raid test. There's probably going to be multiple ones of these, and we'll be hearing more about the raid as time goes on and more tests are done. So it's a thing to keep an eye on. Alrighty, I think that pretty much covers this for news for right now. Um, so we're going to move on to some emails. If you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Uh, Anne's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Anne. Okay. 
First email is from Emmalina Drenai Mage on Far Striders US, who says, Hello, hello, seekers of knowledge of snow and wind. I have two questions for you guys. The first involves the current expansion. Battle for Azeroth is just so unappealing to me, and has been since it was announced at BlizzCon 2017, and nothing that's happened so far has changed my mind. I've never liked the faction conflict. I hate what happened with Teldrassil and Darkshore and Ashenvale. Because of the story, everything from 110 up feels like PvP, even though it isn't, and my opinions of PvP cannot be shared with polite company. I'm also afraid that Sylvanas will get away with everything she's done, and the Horde won't have to answer at all for their actions this expansion. I'm basically skipping large parts of this expansion and I'm patiently waiting for whatever comes next. So has anyone at Blizzard Watch had this kind of experience before with a previous expansion? Let's answer that one first and then we'll get to our second question. Uh, have... Warlords of Draenor? I was going to say, the only thing that ever came close to me was Warlords of Draenor and it wasn't because I didn't like what was going on. It was because there wasn't enough going on. Um, and there's a big difference between the two. Because Warlords, when I went into Warlords of Draenor, I was really looking forward to what kinds of stories we would be seeing. And there were plot points laying all over the place throughout that expansion. And none of them ever got picked up. None of them. I remember um, the, the moment of my dissatisfaction with Warlords was much later than everybody else's. But it was when I was doing the various quests to lead up to when we were going to go into Tanan. And there was a character, I want to say her name is Azuka Blade Fury. Azuka, um, yeah. She was a character I really liked. I really thought she was interesting. It was fun to see a, an orc lady, war, you know, one of the warlords was an orc woman. I thought that was pretty cool. And then you you have to go through a series of quests that like one drops every week in your uh, garrison, and they're random to a degree. You don't know which one you're going to get in which week, and you can miss them. Like, there was a quest that kept dropping. Like I didn't get it because it was out underneath a tree. I had no reason to go to that tree. I didn't go by. And so I didn't know that quest was there until like on the third week of not getting a quest, I walked by the tree and saw the exclamation point in it. But the tree was like right next to the wall of my garrison. It was, I don't go over there. Why, why is the quest there? So I go, I get it. I, com I complete the quest. And then, so I had to wait another week for the next one. And then so on. It just really wasn't very satisfying. Um, and I was pretty unhappy with how her, her story ended and with what they then did. They, they, the, the next major content patch, not the patch where we got a camera, the actual next major content patch was the last patch of the expansion. And it, it had a fair amount of content, but then there was nothing for a year. And that was, for me, that was my problem with Warlords. I feel like to a certain degree, Battle for Azeroth's problems are is that it's got a very dense story and we're just now starting to see signs of what it's going to be in 8.1.5. Um, but again, without spoilers, there's a lot of twists coming in 8.1.5 that change things, that make things not what you thought they were. Things are not going the way you think they're going to go. There's a lot um, more going on than it appears to be. And yeah, yeah, I'm not I saying get you the, have to I, like it. But... I get the feeling. I get the feeling that you're describing, though, where you, where you say that everything feels like pvp even though it isn't and yeah i get that i totally get that because i mean you feel it with every warfront that you do and you feel it with every incursion that you participate in even if you're not flagged for pvp you're directly opposing the opposite faction 
it's their NPCs and you don't get flagged during the process. It's not other players, but it's still you're fighting the opposite faction. So yeah, it is going to have that PvP feeling. And not everybody's really into PvP. Not everybody's really into the faction conflict. The thing is, is that this faction conflict is something that's been hanging over the head of the game since it came out in what, 2004? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Since it came out, that was one of the big things that defined the game was the whole alliance versus horde conflict. And even if we were doing something else, that conflict was still there playing in the background. We can't resolve that conflict one way or another unless we address it directly. And I feel like Battle for Azeroth is taking steps to do that. Um, and this is all stuff that we talked about in Lore Watch. Uh, if you are a patron, you can listen to the latest episode right now. If you aren't a patron, that will be up on the website on Monday. And I suggest you guys give that one a listen to because, boy, did we ever go off the rails for like an hour and a half. Um, however, I would say just be patient. And, you know, if there are other games out there that you want to play right now, go play those other games. Don't feel like you have to play World of Warcraft. Don't feel like you have to play a game. Yeah, I do think, though, if you've been dissatisfied up to this point and you don't mind being a little spoiled, check out the 8.1.5 spoilers because stuff is not going the way it looked like it was going to go. No. There's a lot of changes, a lot of stuff that is very clearly like, oh, oh, we forgot about that. So there's going to be some interesting divergence coming up fairly soon. Um, But what's the next question? We should do the next one, I guess. Next question from Emma Lynn says, also, since I'm currently almost exclusively leveling new alts i'm thinking about leveling leveling a draenei of every class to eventually max level i'm only missing warrior death knight and ugh sorry liz monk rossi help me what's a good dps spec for a first time warrior and death knight arcanon poros emelin well for warrior you have the issue of are you playing a regular draenei or a lightforged draenei Um, if you can play lightforged do they are really good for DPS because they have a nice, they have a, a an area effect damage ability that they can use every like two three minutes. It's really good. Um, if you're going to be playing a, a DPS warrior, it's it's a good one to take. Uh, but if you're going to go, if you're doing do DPS, I'm going to say go Fury, especially once okay, you're about. I was going to say, divorce yourself from the whole concept of Draenei because I'm kind of curious about this too because I have a Maghar warrior at a level. So warriors. What do we level go, these days? <laughs> I would go Fury as long as you're comfortable with the sort of bursty feast or famine nature of it. It's not as bad as it used to be by a lot. Um, if you like to hit faster, Fury is going to be better for you than Arms. Arms is extremely slow hits. Both both Fury and Arms are slower than say a Rogue. Um, rogues are using little like 1.6 speed weapons at at the slowest. I think they're actually, aren't most daggers like 1.4 or are they 1.6? I think it's now? like 1.5, 1.6, somewhere in there. I don't know. It's been a while since I've looked at weapon speed because it's no longer a factor. It kind of is for, you know, the swinging still. If you, if you like to get off. Yeah, well, for warriors, it, you it used big, to be really weapons. integral to how you played a rogue. You wanted to look at your weapon speed and pick things with a certain. That's no longer a factor anymore. I don't care. Just give me a dagger. it it doesn't matter like it used to in terms of damage for warriors it's just in case of purely for for feel if you want to feel like you're swinging often go fury over arms because fury is faster um in terms of damage 
Fury feels more like I love arms. You can see I'm actually playing arms right now, and I do I do love the spec. I think it's a great spec, but it is very much a wait to set up your next move thing. And leveling wise, especially now that you can get victory rush again as Fury, uh, Fury just feels like it puts out more damage up front. And if you can get a good kill streak going, you can basically just keep healing yourself with victory rush and just mow through stuff. Um, it it feels like a more fast-paced, more aggressive style, which I think if you're going to be doing your first, you know, a warrior, I would go with Fury. That's my suggestion. I okay. like them both, and I certainly don't dislike arms. As for Death Knights, I Unholy seems to still be better damage, but I have not been keeping up on it because I'm going to be up front. If you level his blood, your damage will be still be pretty good, and you will take almost no damage. Like okay. it's it's a much it's a very strong leveling spec. Um, but if I was going to say you want a DPS spec for a Death Knight, give Unholy, give Frost a try. See if you like it. The two specs are very different. Unholy versus Frost, it comes down to do you want to be like a, you know, using all this cold magic and swinging two weapons and being like this implacable thing? Or do you want to be summoning a pet and diseasing everything? That's what it comes down to. What's what are you more comfortable with? What do you what do you feel better about doing? Or just I go like, blood and be an unkillable killing machine. Yeah, with blood, you're basically like, yeah, I don't care about that having a zombie follow me around thing, and I don't care about being like cold and unfeeling. I care about you exhausting yourself, hitting me while nothing is hurting me, and I'm healing up for everything anyway. So yeah, it it does come down to what's what you're more comfortable in. But I'm gonna say give give Frost a try first and see how you like it because it's unique. Both Blood and Unholy use a two-hand weapon. Frost is the only one that dual wields as a Death Knight. So give Frost a try, see if you like it, and if you do, then go with that. Otherwise, I would go Blood, personally. I like Blood better. Blood's the spec I use. Uh, I okay. Don't, you know. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. Okay. Um, next email, I'm going to hop to the bottom because this is actually a really quick question. This one is from Bryce, who says, To the Blizzard Watch podcast, how come we got Legion LFR, but Legion is still not on the legacy loot system yet? It's really annoying. Um, the way the legacy loot system works is legacy loot doesn't kick in until I think you're 10 levels above the prior, prior content. Yeah. I think it has to be 11 levels below. It has you. to be 11, 11 levels. Yeah. You have to be way yeah. above it. We are still too close for Legion for it to qualify for Legacy Loot. However, um, when Legion came out and we all hit... Where are we at right now? We're at 110, yeah? No, 120. We're at 120 now. 120. Since we hit 120, we're above the threshold for Warlords. So Warlords is now operating on the Legacy Loot system. When the next expansion comes out and you hit max level, that's when Legion will flip over to the Legacy Loot system. It's kind of annoying, yeah? But the reason that they do it is because Legion is still... We're still too close to Legion. If they just start handing you all of the loot, then it doesn't feel very good for people that spent the expansion actually, like, getting that loot when it was still, you know, current level. So you had to wait a little longer. But you do have Legion LFR, so there is that. There's something. Not quite what you were looking for, but it's something. Do you have anything to add to that, Rossi? I know it was factually correct. I, I personally don't care about like letting legion stuff stay exclusive a bit longer it doesn't have interest to me i i, I, I don't I'll care either I, but i, I get in, it i get it <laughs> yeah. i went i went into i went into lfr um i did what's his name agrimar i did agrimar and lfr me and my wife did and it's not super hard i think i could have sold it if i played better i was just messing around 
Um, it is weird to kill him and get nothing. That that's I I think my problem isn't that they don't put it to legacy loot. My my problem is that they stuck us with personal loot. Yeah. And I don't like personal loot for when I'm soloing. I think they if they were gonna make it so you couldn't get legacy loot until you were like so many levels above it. If I manage to successfully solo a boss, I should get something, even if it's just something I vendor. Um, the idea of him dropping literally nothing, that's never should happen. It's you kind never... of, it feels like, well, I just wasted my time. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even, it's not even a case of, I could theoretically have gone and gotten a coin and then rolled that and gotten some gold or whatever, but it doesn't feel like that's something that you should never kill something and get nothing. Uh, even if it's something along the lines of, I, I get not wanting to hand out the entire loot thing, but maybe tweak it so you get something. I don't know. I just it's a it's a problem for me. When I if I've successfully soloed, like when I was doing my I was getting my my artifact skin, and this was before LFR was out. Plus, you couldn't get it in LFR anyway. I was doing normal and heroic uh, Nighthold runs, pretty much solo or with a friend, and nothing was dropping except the pieces for the quest. And it's you're sitting going, shouldn't something drop? I don't know. That's for me, that's a real problem with personal loot. The personal loot can give you literally nothing. I get why it does that when you're in a group, because somebody in that group is going to get something, and that's the boss has still dropped something. It, it, that I get. But when in, when it's just you and a friend, and neither of you see anything from that boss, it feels really weird. So I would tweak it. I would make it 10 levels. I would make it so that the last expansion's content went to Legacy, if that if I had that choice. But... I don't, so I'm going to have to wait till 121 to actually get serious about running Legion content. There you go. Uh, until until then. When we get to raiding with leashes, that's when you know Legion is on the... Uh, they've, they've, they got comfortable with that. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have time for one more email here, and this one is from Sivus of Dethicus, who says, Greetings, watchers. At a certain point, does plot armor become distracting? It was really hard to accept that Nathanos, simply an undead human ranger, went toe-to-toe with the avatar of a loon and escaped unscathed. Sure, we killed a Valkyr, but Taronda didn't manage to one-shot him like the previous dozen NPCs? Sivus of Dethicus. I don't think it's fair to say he's just some undead ranger. I was going to say, the way that I look at this is I don't look at it as plot armor so much as Nathanos, who Nathanos is right now, is not the same Nathanos Blightcaller that we saw in Vanilla. And yeah, but even that then, might Well, no, let me finish. Because it's, it's, it's something that came up in a short story. And if you haven't read Dark Mirror, you need to go read Dark Mirror. It's for free on the Blizzard website. You can just go read it. Written by Steve Denuser. It was a really good short story. But that model transformation that Nathanos got from random undead dude number 364 or whatever to the model that he has right now, that was actually a lore thing. That that was something that wasn't just a an out of game. Oh, let's do a model update. No, that was some something happened to Nathanos to give him that appearance. And when I see something like this, where he manages to slip away, to me, that's not plot armor. To me, what that makes me do is look at that situation where he changed appearances and go, what else changed? What what? Because it wasn't just a facelift. What else happened to Nathanos? Because I don't, it's like you were saying, Rossi, I don't think he's a simple undead ranger. Anyway, see, go my ahead. thing is I don't, I don't think we even need to say he got a power up or got new abilities or anything like that because he's never just been, you know, 
Forsaken number 72. No. When he was alive, he was the human ranger. There was only one. He was the only one who managed to impress them enough to get them to let him in. And Sylvanas actually defied the king. Like straight, not just the king, but Kael'thas. Kael'thas was like, no, we can't join. And she was like, uh, excuse me? Which one of us? Is Wait, the was it Kael'thas or was it Anasarian? No, Anasarian didn't like him, but it was yeah. actually Kael'thas who objected. Okay. Kael'thas said to her, you know, I don't, that you shouldn't do that. And she's like, well, since I'm the ranger general and you're not, I don't care. Now, I'm letting him in because And then Kael'thas promptly went off and got a crush on Jaina Proudmoore, so. Yeah. Yeah. But. The, <laughs> but even back then, he was so good. He was so good with the bow that he could deride uh, Lorthamar's archery abilities. He could straight up say, oh, Lorthamar, please. And people accepted it. You know, yeah, he's that good. And you'll note, whatever, you know, whether or not he got any kind of change when he got through the ritual, I certainly do think he did. But w- ignoring that for the moment, all he did was run from her. He didn't fight her really like he does kind of fight her when you're there because you know it's the mechanics but he doesn't think for a second i can take her out he's just okay he doesn't even try yeah it's just he he escapes that's escaping is not you know when she's dealing with the entire horde warg front she's got like practically the whole horde right in front of her she's taking them out left and right and she takes out a, a valkyr i don't think it's it reflects either poorly or super well on him it's just it's just what he does he just gets out because that's nathanos nathanos is going to find a way to try and execute what sylvanas wants that's his whole role that's his nature and he's very highly skilled at what he does like the hawkeye of azeroth it's like when he fought um gen gen was like in full-on werewolf mode trying to kill him and, and gen didn't get anywhere with it yeah not because Nathanos is like super badass, but because Nathanos knows what he's doing and knows exactly when to cut and when to run. You know, he's so it's, I still I, I don't like have a problem I said, like I said, when when things come up like that, where it's like, oh, plot armor, I don't go plot armor right off the bat. I go what happened to them. That's the direction I usually go, particularly with Nathanos, because he had such a dramatic change in Legion and. I mean, yes, it was a facelift and we know it was a facelift and that's kind of what was focused on was the whole facelift aspect of that. But that was a Valkyr doing stuff to him and the extent of what that Valkyr did, we still don't know. Yeah, there's even um, like a thing in the story, isn't there, where like the Valkyr, like he can feel more now. He can feel more, he can smell things. He couldn't, he didn't used to be able to smell things and he can smell things better now. Like the Undercity does not smell good to him now. Um, and there was also the implication there was given that this was something that was like highly specialized. It wasn't something that Sylvanas could just go out and do to every Forsaken out there. She did it to Nathanos because Nathanos was special. Yeah, it, it rein- I know that they mentioned that it reinforces him. It doesn't just make him look better. He's stronger now. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a point she made that this is it's, it's expensive. It doesn't it cost her a Valkyr? I don't know if it costs of- a Valkyr. I don't know if it costs a Valkyr, but there's something that's expended there. And the implication, yeah. I mean, to go through all of that just for a facelift, I don't think so. I think there's more there to it. So yeah, no, I don't. It's, it's... Nathanos is very clever. He knows when he can 
gain the upper hand in a fight and he knows when he's losing that upper hand and he doesn't stand there and fight until his last breath he figures out how to get out of there so he can get himself some time figure out where that upper hand is at and then re-engage later yeah he's he's also very good at the psychological torment thing like he likes to oh. mess with people like he, he's he is such a, trash a jerk he's such a jerk <laughs> i mean it's not that they've never had a character that i felt like oh god just let me kill this guy already but i i don't think that the nathanos situation it's fair I, I think that's definitely a case where people are wanting to see that because of other reasons i don't think it's a fair assessment of the fight yeah and don't get me wrong, I'm not exactly happy with what Nathanos is doing, and I think he's a big old jerk and everything, but I kind of love him because he is a big old jerk. And sometimes you need those characters where it's like, yeah, I just love to hate you. Because it seems like we get those in World of Warcraft, and then just as soon as we get really into the whole loving to hate them, we go kill them in a raid fight, and that's it. That's the end of them. So, Yeah. I'd be I was okay kind of looking with... forward to a lot more of garage hating them than I ended up getting. I know, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps us up for emails. That also wraps us up for the show. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, if you guys have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. This has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be here next week. 